Psalm 96, and we'll read the the, the psalm uh, together. Psalm 96. And once you're there, if you would, please stand, and then we'll read the chapter together. Psalm 96. Amen. O sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord, bless his name. Show forth his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among all people. For the Lord is great, greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Give unto the Lord, O ye kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. Say among the heathen that the Lord reigneth. The world also shall be established, that it shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. Let the heavens rejoice, and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar, and the fullness thereof. Let the field be joyful in all that is therein. Then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice before the Lord, for he cometh, for he cometh to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. Father, tonight we just thank you for the public reading of your word. We pray your anointing upon your word tonight. Lord, we just speak afresh into our hearts. We give you the praise, the glory for all that you do, Lord, and all that you're doing. And Lord, we do truly say, thine be the glory, risen, conquering son. Endless is your victory, thou or death has won. We thank you for your provision, your blessing, your good hand upon our lives, for all that you're doing at this time. And, O oh God, we just pray that you would again quicken your word to our hearts, O oh God. Draw us deeper, draw us in and deeper with yourself, O oh God. We pray all these mercies in Jesus' name. Amen. You may take your seats. Just in our reading tonight, if you just again look to the chapter, and there is just one verse that uh, was quickened, and I want to share just a, a little bit about this verse. It's in verse 9 in Psalm 96, and it says, O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. And it is that first phrase of the verse, O worship the Lord, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. You know, this phrase is found several times in the the Old Testament. You'll find it again in Psalm chapter 29, where David, a Psalm of David, he says, Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength, give unto the Lord the glory that's due to his name. Then it says these words, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. We find it over in the book of Chronicles, both in the first book and the second book, this phrase to worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And there, just for the context, if you would turn back to one uh, Chronicles 
uh, chapter 16 I'm going to be referring to, but just before we get there, I'll put the chapter into context so we understand uh, something of the meaning of this phrase. But in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, the context here of this account in 1 Chronicles 16 is a people that are longing for the presence of the Lord. This is the context of the chapter, chapter 16. There's a desire, uh, David being their king, and there's a desire amongst Israel that they are longing for the presence of the Lord that is manifested physically in the Old Testament with their desire to have the Ark of the Covenant in the center of them as a people. And so in this context, you you begin to understand something of the, the beauty of worship and the drawing power that there is in the heart of a man by the Holy Spirit to draw his people into a place of intimate worship. You know, thank God we do have access through the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us into the holy of holies. We, we have that access. That is an enormous privilege that we have as a Christian, as individuals, that God would welcome us into his holy presence. Bible says it's the beauty of holiness. Holiness is sometimes seen or preached in a way that it's something to be feared, and that is true because God is holy. There is no sin in him. There is a reverence in that holiness. But the Bible here is speaking of a beauty, a beauty in the holiness of God. Something, If something's beautiful, it's attractive, something that we want to be attracted to. And so here in the context of Chronicles, we see that a generation, there'd been a whole generation under uh, King Saul that had never inquired after the Lord. A generation, 40 years of a people that never, never inquired after the Lord. If you just turn back a couple of chapters there in chapter uh, 13 of 1 Chronicles and verse 3, it, it, it simply says there that this was the heart of the people in 1 Chronicles 13 and verse 3. Let us bring again the ark of our God to us. For, for we inquired not at all in the days of Saul. For a whole generation, for a whole generation, the people never inquired after the ark of the covenant being, we know a type of the Lord Jesus Christ, the presence of the Lord. And yet for a whole generation, they never inquired. We see the consequences of that when you read the account of Saul and the end of Saul. We see the consequences of a people that are named by the name of God, but actually never inquire after him, never seek him, never long to be with him, never long to have his presence in their lives. And so in, in verse 4 then it says there, and all the congregation said, that they would do so, for the thing was right in the, in the eyes of all the people. In other words, this would be a good thing. We need the presence of the Lord in our midst. We need to bring the Ark of the Covenant back into the center of worship as a people, Israel. This is a good thing in our eyes. And so they came with the priests, the Levites, the singers. And verse 8, it, it, it says they came with, with everything to bring back the Ark. Now if you look at verse 9, this is a well-known uh, account in the Old Testament. But as they're bringing the ark, they had everything. All the, They had, as it were, all the mechanics of it looked right in the outward. They had the singers. Everyone was there. 
people believed it was the right thing to do. And so they decided to bring the Ark of the Covenant back. And then it says there, Uzzah put forth his hand to hold the Ark because the oxen stumbled. And these are, these are, for us to read this is very difficult even to grasp the magnitude of it. But it says at that point, they had the singers, they had the priests, they had the Levites, they had the people. It was the right idea. They wanted the Ark of the Covenant back. They wanted the presence of the Lord but as Uzzah put forth his hand to touch the ark, the Bible says that the anger, verse 10 says, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah and smote him because he put his hand to the ark and there he died before the Lord. But this was the right thing to do. This was the right thing amongst the people and they assembled the people. It was right in their eyes. It should be the right thing to have the presence of the Lord of the Ark of the Covenant amongst them. And they had everything of the function of that in place, as it were, in their eyes, to bring back the Ark of the Covenant. And so at that point then, the Ark of the Covenant is not brought back in to the center of Israel. But in verse 14 of chapter 13, if you read it, it says that the Ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house three months and as when the ark rested in Obed-Edom's house, the Bible says that the Lord blessed the house of Edom and all that he had. We see the blessing of the Lord that there is with the presence of the Lord. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. And so right in the house of Obed-Edom, as the ark of the covenant rested there, the house of Obed-Edom was greatly blessed. But David longed, this is the longing for, for the presence of the Lord. He knew that the Ark of the Covenant, in that sense, for us understanding the, the centrality of Jesus Christ, the presence of Jesus, His presence is everything. To have His presence in our lives, to have His presence in our homes, to have His presence in our church, that is absolutely everything. And David longed. This, this is the one thing he desired that he would have, that he would have the presence of the Lord. He sought after the Lord. And it says in uh, 1 Chronicles 15, if you just turn over to it, there was a difference this time when they brought the Ark of the Covenant back. He said, Ye are of the chief of the fathers of the Levites. He called the men this time to sanctify themselves, both ye and your brethren, that ye may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel unto the place that we have prepared, or I have prepared for it. For because ye did it not at the first, the Lord our God made a breach upon us, for we sought him not after, what does it say, the due order. The due order. In other words, it was a good idea. They had assembled the singers, the musicians, and everything was right. But to go up, there was an order that God requested of God's people according to Moses, how they would bring the presence of the Lord. Are you glad tonight that Jesus has made a way for us into the Holy of Holies through what he has done? And so it says in verse 14 that the priests, the Levites, sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel and the children of the Levites bear the ark of God upon their shoulders with the staves thereon as Moses commanded according to the word of the Lord. This time when they were bringing back the ark of the covenant, they did it according to the word of the Lord. You know, God is a God of order. 
The whole universe is a universe that functions in order because God has created it that way. He is a God of order. There is nothing of confusion with God. There is nothing out of kilter with God. Everything is in its place because God is a God of order and God blesses that order. When we come to him, not on the basis of ourselves or our activities or who we are or all anything of what we do, when we come to him on the basis of Jesus Christ and the blood of Christ and not alone, that is sufficient for us to enter into the holiest of holies by the blood of Jesus. And then it says in verse 15 of verse chapter 15 verse 28 says thus all Israel brought up the ark of the covenant of the Lord with shouting with the sound of the cornet with the trumpets with the cymbals with the noise with the facilities with the harps they're coming now rejoicing they'd come according to the order of which God had instructed them to come just wasn't a good idea but they'd sanctified themselves do you know it's so important that when we're handing the things of God and when we're dealing with the things of God, that we do it with reverence. We have a boldness to enter in, but these are precious things and precious truths. They're not to be casual, but we're, we're to come with a reverence in our heart. We must fear the Lord. That is the beginning of wisdom. But today there's a casualness in saying that if we can just put it all together, put something and organize it ourselves and just say, turn the top on because God will come. There has to be a sanctification. There has to be a time, a preparation where, where David prepared the place and a heart prepared, but a longing for the presence of the Lord. And when there's that preparation and humility of heart, then he comes. And there's nothing like the presence of the Lord. I believe every believer in this room wants to experience a deeper presence, a deeper sense of the presence of the Lord. Would you say amen if you believe that? We want His presence. We want the Lord. More than anything else, we want to experience that deeper place. And He's a holy God. And says there in the, the, the verse 28, as they came, verse 29, it came to pass as the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the city that Michael, the, the daughter of Saul, looking out at her window, saw King David dancing and playing, and she despised him in her heart. She despised the liberty that he was experiencing in the presence of the Lord. He was so full of the presence of God, so full of the joy of the Lord. The Lord, uh, the Lord our God is mighty in the midst. And so he began to rejoice, but she began to despise him. That's just, that's just religion, really. Religion despises the liberty of the Spirit of God. Man wants to control that. Religion wants to keep God in a box. Thank God he's not kept in a box. The liberating power of the Holy Spirit just to move amongst his people, to set people free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And so as he comes, he's, he's so rejoicing in the presence of the Lord. Isn't the presence of the Lord everything? Is there anything other than the presence of the Lord that you would desire tonight, but just that his presence would come so afresh Fill our hearts, fill every life, carry us in the place of prayer, touch hearts, heal bodies, set people free, break chains, fill us with the power of the Holy Ghost, that the oil of God would flow in the midst tonight, the oil of gladness would touch every life tonight. His presence is everything. But there was a people that despised. And then it says there in chapter 16, we're just coming up to this verse, so they brought... The ark of God, they set it in the midst of the tent that David had pitched for it. And they offered burnt sacrifices and peace offerings before the Lord. 
And David made an end of offering end of the offering of the burnt offerings and the peace offerings. He blessed the people in the name of the Lord. And he dealt to every one of Israel, uh, both man and woman, a loaf of bread, a good piece of flesh and of wine. And he appointed certain of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord and, and record and to thank and to praise the Lord God of Israel. I wonder tonight if if if, if the Holy Spirit and and this is not an if, it's more or less of, it is actually a scriptural truth that as ministers of the Lord, you know, every believer in this room is a minister of the Lord. You, you are a priest. We are under a new covenant. Thank God for that, that we don't go through all the ceremonial rituals. Thank God that Christ has gone all the way to Calvary for us and through his blood and through his flesh tonight when we are born of the Spirit of God, then you are a minister of the Lord. And here in this presence, these ministers, the Levites, were before the presence of the Lord, the ark of the Lord, and they were to be there to record and to thank and to praise the Lord God of Israel. Have you anything to thank the Lord for? Have you recorded? You know, they recorded, they said, they recorded the blessings of the Lord. They recorded the great things that he had done. They kept a record of all the mighty works that the Lord had done in their, hand, in their lives and in their homes and, and them as a people. And as they began to think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he'd done, they began to minister and thank and to praise the Lord. Have we so much to thank him for? As ministers, you're a minister of the Lord. And God has called us into his presence that we would minister before him and record the great and mighty works that he's done. Has God done great things in your life? Has God blessed you? Has God kept you? We, I mean, this has been a theme for a number of weeks of, of encouraging us in the place of thanksgiving. Record what God has done. What has God done in your life? What has God done in your home? What God has done in your marriage? What God has done as a fellowship? What God has done? And God has blessed us. And David says, I'm going to appoint you. Imagine this here, that, that David was here tonight and he would say, okay, all you priests of the Lord, that's everyone that's saved in this house. You're a priest of God. I'm going to appoint you to sit before the presence of the Lord. I want you to record it. I want you to thank the Lord. I want you to praise the Lord. I want you to minister before the presence of the Lord. What would be your response? Well, I tell you, friends, I believe we have that privilege tonight to do that. Amen. Every single one of us should do it. Not because David has said it, not because Tim McEnroe said it, but because of the privilege that we have as priests of God to enter into the Holy of Holies under a new covenant, to enter into the beauty of holiness and minister before the Lord, to thank the Lord, to stand to our feet and say, Oh God, I'm so thankful, I'm saved tonight. If you have nothing but you're saved, you have everything. You have absolutely everything. And so they were appointed to minister and to praise the Lord. And then you'll find in the chapter here, there's amalgamation of several different psalms that David begins to sing. It's like, I suppose what it's like, if I could, so you understand it. It's like when we run in the time of praise and worship that there's one song goes into another song. It was like he was so liberated in the time of praise and worship that he run from one song into the next one and into the next one. And that's what happens here in the Psalms. But from verse 23, he picks up on the psalm that we have read tonight, Psalm 96. 
And from, from verse 23 right through to verse 33, the, the same psalm is at Psalm 96. That's what he's singing and rejoicing at the presence of the Lord. That's what he's saying. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. He begins to worship the Lord. He begins to praise the Lord. Sing unto the Lord. All ye are sing unto the Lord. Show forth his salvation day to day. He begins to declare the Lord that the Lord is great. And the Lord is greatly to be praised and to be feared among the people. For he's above all the gods. All the other gods are but idols. But the Lord is the one. He's made the heavens and the earth. This is the God who I worship. And honor his majesty and his strength and the beauty that are in his sanctuary. There's something so precious about the presence of the Lord. There's something so attractive about the presence of the Lord. Saints, this is, this is the, the, the essential, you know, the same Spirit of God is in every believer in this room. And when he reveals to us by the Spirit, the Lord Jesus Christ, when we're saved, but in our lives, the attraction then, the attraction is Jesus. He wants to reveal to us the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in our spirits, it's the desire for Him. We want more of Him. That's the beauty of His holiness. It's Jesus. And so it says here, as he begins to sing this, these wonderful psalms in verse 9 of our reading, it was, oh, Worship the Lord. In the beauty of his holiness. Verse 29 it says in 1 Chronicles 16. Give unto the Lord. Give unto the Lord. The glory that's due unto his name. Give unto the Lord the glory. This is what he deserves. This is what he's owed. As ministers he's owed. The glory that's due to his name. Bring an offering. Come before him. Then he says these words, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Do you know what the attraction is? Do you know what the beauty of holiness is? It's Jesus Christ. That's what the beauty of holiness is. It's a person. It's Jesus. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. He says, oh, worship. Psalm 96 and 9. That word worship means to bow oneself or to humble oneself down. The Lord and the beauty of holiness. You know the word beauty? Do you know it simply means in the Hebrew, the, 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 the original word, it simply means the splendor, the magnificence, the excellency, and the glory of the Lord. Just worship Him. Worship the Lord and the beauty of of his holiness. Do you know, some years ago, it may be near 16, 17, 18 years ago now, but Nicky and I were visiting over when Andy and Jude Gray were living in England. We went over to spend a few days with them. And then they brought us up to a wee village called Yarm. I think I've shared it a few times about the Methodist chapel that we visited. It was a it was one of those Wesley, and Wesley designed it himself, but it was a hexagon shape. And the reason why he made it a hexagon shape, because he said when we entered in and the caretaker was there and showed us about, and there was a really high pulpit, and he climbed away up, and, and he was saying, you know, what do you see? And we couldn't, we, you know, when someone says, what are you looking, what, what do you see? You don't know what you're looking for, if you understand what I mean. But he said, what do you see? And, 
But this was beautiful hexagon building. And it says Wesley built it with no corners because he didn't want the devil to hide anywhere. That's what he said. There was no corners for the devil to hide behind. And when you stood on the platform, you could actually see every single seat and every single pew in the whole place, upstairs and downstairs. That's how he designed the building. So the devil couldn't hide. But you know, above the above the, the pulpit, there was a, a a banner that run right across, and you know the the writing that that has sort of taken out of most buildings now today. But there was a there was a verse that run right across, just in the shape of a rainbow, and it was these these words. But what had happened was they'd painted over the letters. And the paint had been painted so many times, but you could see, we were standing, we could see. And then when you, you just stirred a little closer, you begin to make out the, the faded writing, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And you know, when I, I thought just about this, we're, we don't want to lose the reality of such a precious a precious truth. It seems to be fading away. We are blessed. We are blessed in something so precious with the sense of worship in our, in our congregation as we assemble together. There is a, there is a preciousness. There is a, there is a beauty of his holiness. But you know, as they painted over it, it, it started to fade. And you could just about see the outline. You know, friends, I want to tell you, there's nothing like worshiping the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. It's such a precious thing that the center of our worship, and that's not just at a service, but the center of our worship, the center of our lives, as David longed for the Ark of the Covenant, it's longing just simply for the presence of the Lord. What does this mean, or how does this happen? Or how does this practically work out for us? You know, God said there's an order. There's an order. If you turn over, just come to a close in a couple of minutes, but 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. Believer, this is so important. This is, applies to every single believer. And I just again want to encourage you, whether you're young or old, or whether a lot of these things are new to you, because a lot of traditional churches won't allow this to be expressed. I just want to try and encourage you through God's word to step in to what God has for you. We've got to be patient with one another in that as God brings people on. In 1 Peter 2 and 5 it says, Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, we're a holy priesthood and we're here to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Here's the order. Acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. There's the order. It's all, all the order is in him, Jesus. But you and I, you and I are a holy priesthood. We're, we're a spiritual house. Do you know I just want to, if we don't understand why the assembly of God's people, 
if we, if we don't understand what is the purpose of that, then we're going to get caught up in all the modern junk. That's the best way of putting it. All the ideas about what it should be, what it shouldn't be, everything else. But if we don't understand what is the purpose of this, why? Why do we come? The reason we come is because we're a peculiar people. The reason we come is because we're a spiritual house. What makes this house spiritual is not the building. I just thank God for the building. I want to be careful in that. It is, it is his hand. It is his blessing. But that doesn't make it spiritual. What makes it spiritual is you're here. And you understand that we are a spiritual house. We're a habitation of God. And we've come together to, to, to offer up spiritual sacrifices. And this is acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Verse 9 says these words. We are a chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are a peculiar people that we are here to show forth the praises of him who called us out of darkness and then there was marvelous light. Isn't it wonderful what the Lord has done in your life? Isn't it what can you see even in the person beside you? Can you see the wonderful things that the Lord has done in each other? And we're here then as a priesthood. Every person who's saved, we this is what the Bible says: we're a royal priesthood. We come not in old filthy rags of sin. We come in a royal garment given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a robe of righteousness. We're here to offer up. A sacrifice unto the Lord who's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Are you glad to be in his marvelous light? And then it says in Hebrews 13 and 15, By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God. Remember those priests were ordered to sit at the ark of the Lord, to record, to give thanks and to praise him. This is what the New Testament tells us. By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of Praise to the Lord continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Continually we're to do this. There is a beauty and a splendor in his holiness. The person is Jesus. And to close with this, but the holiness of God as the person of Jesus Christ makes sinners pay attention. Stop sinners. The holiness of God stops sinners. It's a beautiful thing when God brings repentance. Repentance is a beautiful thing. Somehow or another, the church has thrown this out too, but it's such a beautiful... Repentance is so sweet. In Psalm chapter 90, just to close with these verses, and verse 12... Psalm 90, verse 12, and then we'll come to prayer. It says these words, So teach us, so teach us to number our days, that we might apply our hearts unto wisdom. Verse 13, Return, O Lord, how long? Here, here is a cry again for the Lord. And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. You know, I was thinking just for a whole generation, they never sought the Lord. 
They never sought him. And then there's a heart that cries out, Oh Lord, how long will you come again? We need your presence, Lord. Verse 14 says, Oh, satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Verse 15, Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us, and the years wherein we have seen the evil. Verse 16 says, Let thy work appear unto thy servants, and thy glory unto their children. What a prayer. Listen to what he says, verse 16 again. Let thy work appear to thy servants and thy glory to their children. What a prayer. And then he says in verse 17, And let the beauty of the Lord and God be upon us, and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands establish thou yet. How does he establish the work of the Lord? By the beauty of the Lord, the beauty of the Lord being upon us. The beauty of holiness, the beauty of the Lord being upon the work. Do you know what the attraction is? The attraction isn't so much that how well we can do things or not. The attraction then is the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ. When men meet him, listen, when men encounter him, we know this, when they see him in us, when they see the beauty of Christ and the work in the work of our hands, when they see the glory and the wonder and the beauty of his holiness upon his people, that's the attraction. That's when people will come because they'll find Jesus. And friends, that's everything. May the beauty of the Lord be upon the work of our hands. The beauty of holiness. Let's worship him tonight in prayer. Let's glorify him tonight. Friends, maybe you forgot, but just think for a moment. Record in your mind the wonderful things that he's done. Thank him for all that he's done. Bless him for all that he's done. Worship him for all that he's done. Don't let anyone or anything or any sense of tradition Hold us down just to thank the Lord tonight as priest of the Lord. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Father, we thank you tonight. We praise you tonight, Lord. Lord, would you just quicken your word to us. Bring the revelation of it, Lord. Lord, may the, the beauty of holiness, that's Jesus, may he alone be the attraction and may he draw us by his Spirit in, Lord, to the Holy of Holies. Lord, I pray, Lord, we have so much to thank you for, so much to praise you for. Lord, we truly minister before your throne tonight. Lord, we truly minister out of hearts that are thankful and grateful for all that you've done. Lord, that we truly minister unto your throne tonight in the Holy of Holies. Lord, that you be so glorified in our midst. Lord, that we come, Lord, as a priesthood of believers. Lord, as a privilege it is, Lord, to come into your holy presence. And Lord, would you, Lord, may you may the beauty of the Lord be upon the work, Lord. Lord, may the beauty of Christ be seen in the streets of Belfast through the work of your people. May it be such a beauty in a world that's so ugly, Lord, so broken with sin and so marred. Lord, we pray that the beauty of Christ would be seen upon your people, O God. Oh, Father, may the fragrance of Jesus emanate from this place, Lord, and from our lives. 
So, Lord, lead us tonight in prayer. We give you the praise and we give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.